KHHFM, Indianapolis. Go drop it. It's the moment y'all been waiting for. Broadcasting from the Isaacs and Isaacs. We win.com. Injury Lawyer Studio. It's the show where Indy comes to top. Open lines with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. On Hot 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from the Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC Studios in downtown Indianapolis on this Sunday, May 8th, 2022, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of the ladies out there. I'm not going to say names this morning um, other than to my mother. Good morning, Tabitha. Happy Mother's Day. We love you. Uh, And we did get your uh, Mother's Day request. Uh, See Lauren, she has it for you. On this edition of Open Lines today, there's going to be a lot to talk about, and I want to hear from you almost right off the top of the show today when we talk about, one, first, Unigov. You know, that is the centralized, consolidated government system that we have here in Marion County, and it started back in the 70s, but even still today, uh, more consolidation is still happening. Speedway's fire department, not Speedway, excuse me, Beach Grove's fire department has now joined in uh, to IFD. But across the way, there is debate about should the remaining townships involved um, join in. But also, what has this done to our schools? We've talked about it on the show here before. We have 11 different school districts here in Indianapolis. Why is that? It's because of Unigov. And if you talk to a lot of people, they will say the while the surrounding townships who uh, at first didn't want to join into Unigov and make one Indianapolis school district, they say, hey, they're benefiting right now. But the school district that is suffering is the one that you've already guessed. That's Indianapolis Public Schools because it's been drained. So there's a panel coming up to talk about what the future is, what it could, could be, how we got here, what is the problem how some areas are being benefiting and some not so much. We'll talk with Eunice Trotter, uh, head of a big panel that she's got coming up to talk about it. And she says the conversations have already been pretty heated. And we're going to continue that conversation this morning here on the radio at the top of the hour. At the bottom of the hour, we got to talk about Roe versus Wade. What will happen right here in Indiana Um if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, we'll talk about what Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb is saying will happen here in Indiana, as well as a number of bills from across the country that are already officially getting movement. This is not a a portion where we're talking about um, what could happen or what may happen. This morning, there is actual news about what is going to happen. And there's new information from Senator Mitch McConnell about the potential, the reality for not only overturning Roe versus Wade, but making it illegal nationwide. These aren't things that could happen. They are telling us on both sides where they stand and what they plan to do. We'll have the latest updates on that coming up this morning. But also this past week was an election week. And this morning, I'm going to share a couple of the election results from shows that we focused on right here on Open Lines. All that and so much more. But first, let's get you caught up on the news, including election results from last week. Well, the election results are in from Indiana's primary election. Among the races we covered in depth here on Open Lines was the race for Senate District 46 and the Center Township trustees. And Center Township longtime city employee LaDonna Freeman secured her seat as the Democratic nominee for November with 73% of the vote. She beat out Sam Bump Carson, who carried 26% of the vote. In the race for Senate District 46, IPS school principal Andrea Hunley beat out four other Democrats and will now face Republican Evan Sheeran in November. Hunley carried 46% of the vote. She beat City County Councilor Kristen Jones, who carried the endorsement of the Marion County Democrats and 25% of the vote. Ashley Eason came in third with 16% of the vote. Kara Lopez Owens finished in fourth place with 12%. 
and Bob Kern came in fifth place with just over 1%. That's 77 votes compared to the winner, Andrea Hunley, who earned more than 3,000 votes. In school referendums, 60% of voters in Perry Township voted in favor of the school district's referendum, which does not increase taxes, but extends the current tax rate to continue funding the school district. Next door in Franklin Township, it was the exact opposite story, where 62% of voters said no to a tax hike, which would have provided money to improve and repair and expand some of the district's schools, which are in need of repair and have outgrown the schools high school due to the increased enrollment in the area across the country voter account across the county that is voter turnout was at 10% with 72,000 Marion County residents voting in the primary that's 10% of Marion County folks going to go vote in the forecast, it has been simply beautiful this weekend and that will continue today with a high of 70 degrees. Get ready to kick on the air conditioner for the rest of the week as temperatures will jump into the 80s and almost 90 later in the week. Our next chance of rain comes next Sunday. Right now, it is beautiful already this morning in Indy, sitting at a very pretty 49 degrees. This morning, we are having a conversation about the future of Indianapolis, where we are and how we got here when it comes to Unigov. Unigov literally um, shaped Marion County. Why we have all the townships, why we have the township schools, why we have one massive uh, police department, why the sheriff's uh, consolidated, why we have a fire department. But there are still cases where, from the very beginning, Speedway, Beach Grove, and Lawrence uh, were granted... Um, an exemption to keep being their own city or town, uh, allowing them to keep their own school district, their own police department, their own fire department, if they so chose. Uh, on the west side, Pike Township, Wayne Township, and Decatur Township have held on to their fire departments. Um, those are just some of the changes that have happened recently, and there's been recent discussion about continuing to fund those things. One of the big things that I'm interested in hearing about is the opinions on schools and how um, that has created the township schools, which everyone seems to believe is better than the school that is in the center of the district, which itself is also a township school, Indianapolis Public Schools. Um, it is, if you ask some, has suffered a lot. It's been drained quite a bit um, because it has had to compete with 10 other school districts for the people in the same city. So we will have this conversation this morning and right now on the air with Eunice Trotter, who is hosting, who is leading a panel. She's helping to organize a panel about Unigov and its future. Eunice Trotter joins us on our live line right now. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is really wonderful, funny, beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. I hope everybody gets uh, gets out to enjoy it and enjoy this Mother's Day. Yes, yes, yes. Well, let's, I want to just jump right in it uh, because I know we don't have a lot of time, but there's so much to talk about. Uh, we're going to have this panel next Sunday, one week from today, at St. Luke United Methodist Church. And on this panel will be people who were there and a part of putting Unigov together. Now, these are people who are now in their 80s. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a rare and historic opportunity to hear from them. The discussion is at 4 o'clock at St. Luke United Methodist, 100 West 86th Street. It's being sponsored by the Indiana, the Indiana Remembrance Coalition, Kurt Vonnegut Museum and Library, and St. Luke. And on the panel, Cameron, will be uh, John, former Lieutenant Governor, former State Representative John Mutz, um, who was a very much a principal in the earliest beginning of of Unigov, which Cameron actually started in the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, also, Ned Lampkin, he is the former state rep who carried that legislation in the House. Uh, Indianapolis City County President, the Council President, Bob Osley, Osley, I'm sorry, I always mispronounce his name. Uh, Faye Williams, who was uh, active politically in the day, she's an activist here, she's in her 80s. And Billy Bro, who uh, was very much a part of the Indianapolis public school system uh, at that time. 
So I hope that we will be well represented at already there are a couple hundred people registered come uh, you don't have to register it would be good if you do you can do it on eventbrite or at the st luke united methodist church website so unigov as it's called the intended and unintended consequences from 1972 today what 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 was the reason that you guys decided let's have this conversation now what's happening um in our day-to-day that caused that sparked the need for this this debate well, for one, I, I have just been hearing so much about the continuing agony that IPS is going through right now. And then, as you already mentioned um, during the preview of the show, the township fire departments are just now, it's 2022, but just now being brought into Unigov, and some of them are kicking and screaming. They do not want to be a part of the Indianapolis Fire Department. And so I just thought that it was time for, for younger people to know about Unigov because so many people who are younger, people in their 50s and younger, um, and also new, they have no idea what Unigov is mm-hmm. or what it is doing and what it may do in the future, uh, Cameron, as African Americans move out into the so-called suburban areas. And these areas were the suburbs at one point, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Lawrence, Washington, and these very surrounding uh, townships, those who surround center townships, uh, those were the suburbs at one time. Right. And so in the 60s, there was white flight. Uh, if you all remember, that that was also a period when there were riots. And there was a bit of concern here in Indianapolis that that white flight would gut the central township area of population, which, which it did. Um, but it did it with city complicity because uh, these people had to have a place to go. And with city support, they went to the suburbs where new housing was being built. And also where the 11 school districts that were already in place, Unigo, mm-hmm. uh, were uh, in place at that time. So these people were fleeing the city not only because of that decay and increasing black presence in the center city, but also because of a desegregation lawsuit. That time, uh, the NAACP here in Indianapolis filed a deseg lawsuit, and it was turning its way through court, and people were concerned. Um, they did not want their children to be bused or to be a part of a school system that included busing. That in turn, uh, still all these years later, as, you, as you've mentioned, you still have three fire departments on the west side, uh, Pike, uh, Wayne, and Decatur, that still have their own uh, fire departments. Speedway and Lawrence still have their own fire department. The Beach Grove Fire Department just uh, decided to go ahead and roll into IFD um, this year because they just couldn't afford, they couldn't keep up with the needs, the little tax base that they're getting out of the small city of Beach Grove was not enough to, you know, uh, fund the needs of the aging fire department. The the fire truck barely fit inside of the building anymore because the building was built decades ago. Um, and so there is still, this is still happening. Unigov is not done. You talked about the schools, and we're getting calls, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air this morning, and we're going to go to the phones here in just a second. But you talked about uh, the, the busing and the one-way busing, and we've talked about it here on the show um, a couple of times. And literally, one-way busing is exactly what it sounds like. The buses went one way and took kids out of what is the center township area or the um, – what were the original lines of the city of Indianapolis and took them to schools, including Perry Township and Franklin Township, Decatur Township and Wayne Township to where those areas were so white, take some of the black kids from the very center of the county and send them out that way. What did not happen was, okay, we're going to send some of those white kids who are in the um, edges of the town of the county in those same school districts. Now we're going to send them back in to IPS. That didn't happen. And what you, what was caused was, yeah, the other school districts became more diverse, but the center of the city IPS was only losing students 
because they were being sent to other school districts instead of the ones that were there uh, well, not where only they were they losing students, they were losing money. Losing money, of course. The money follows yeah. the student. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, but, but keep in mind, those districts were already there before Unigov. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Unigov was was held up by the federal court, Judge S.U. Dillon, as an example of the intentionality of, uh, of segregated schools in Indianapolis. The um, the judge who was handling this lawsuit or seeing this lawsuit said that Unigov intentionally continued segregated schools in Indianapolis. But here's the really interesting thing now. Schools are more segregated in IPS today than they were in 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, what, 70% or something like that, African-American and in, in brown. Uh, you know, Hispanic kids in the you know, old city limits in the IPS system um, compared to 30 percent back in 1970. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the phones. 317-239-9696. We're on the air this morning with Eunice Trotter ahead of a panel discussion next Sunday at four o'clock uh, talking about Unigov, the intended and unintended unintended consequences of Unigov, which consolidated the city in a lot of ways, but not in every way. Let's go to the phones. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, how you doing, Brother Cameron? I'm good. How are you, sir? Uh, 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 I like to, I like to say Happy Mother's Day. Happy and Mother's know, Day. Thank you. I know, I know. People getting ready for church and hear what the Lord got to say. Amen. We have to. We have to. We have to. We have to be mindful. It's good to ask this, these questions because uh, these, uh, you know, I shoot, I got busted. I see, I got busted uh, for school. Uh, I think it was back in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, because they closed one school. It was 41. They closed 41 down. And most of the kids had to go to, like, uh, like Ben Davis, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, uh, I guess I guess the teachers, some of the teachers, old school teachers, was retired. You know, they've been there for a long time. So, so, you know, they want to retire. They want to announce they retire, man. And I remember one teacher I had at, one, at 41. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to never forget his name. His, his name was Fletcher Cantrell. He went, to, he went over there to Light of the World. The Light of the World. That was called uh, Second Christian. Second Christian Church over there on on thirty on twenty ninth and in Kenwood. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey Doc, you know, let, let me say this right here: uh, those teachers weren't necessarily retiring. What happened is when Unigov uh, impacted those schools through that desegregation order, and those children were bused to the various townships. Those teachers could not get a job in those township schools. So they had to so-called retire because they couldn't they couldn't get a job. The, the, you know, fewer students, less need for teachers. So we lost a lot of African-American teachers during that busing because of a lack of classrooms for those teachers to teach. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. We're having a conversation about uh, Unigov and the intended and unintended consequences. Uh, Eunice, I'm going to tell you what I heard. I I talked with a school official who used to work at the state, and it was the first time that I had ever heard them say, oh, yeah, there had been talk. And I don't know how recent this talk was of 
dissolving Indianapolis public schools and give chopping it up and officially giving it connecting it to the other surrounding township schools. So you get a piece, you get a piece, you get a piece, you get a piece. Um, because the school district has been drained so much. And I, and I don't know how, how recent this talk was. I assume not too recent, um, but it, it has, has been an talk. idea. You know, there continues to be talk about dissolving UNIGOV. And while UNIGOV is a big cause of that movement of children, um, there are other reasons, too. There has been just a proliferation of charter schools mm -hmm. and innovation schools within Center Township today. So it, it, it lessens the, the need for, you know, for IPS. IPS has about, I think, 30,000 kids mm -hmm. uh, in that school system who, if it was broken up, would be sent in those various directions to the innovation schools and charter schools and so forth. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the phones, 317-239-9696. That would be a hot topic if IPS were to be dissolved um, into its its neighbors. The original plan would have been to make just like one police department. It would have been, you know, the Marion County school system or the or every school district would have been known as Indianapolis Public Schools, but it would have probably been like the Marion County Public Schools system or something like that. Um to match, you know, what we now have is the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. Uh, yeah, yeah, let, yeah. Let's let's go to the phones. 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, this is Larry. You know, Eunice, you know that uh, all this charter school stuff that's going on now, every bit of it has been carried through the legislature by black legislatures like Bill Crawford and Glenn Howard, two people that were totally unqualified to uh, do those jobs. In any way, and the contract that was negotiated here in the city of Indianapolis was negotiated by uh, Dr. Figney of the uh, NAACP. That's what Larry, you know what? You're absolutely well. You're right, Larry. I remember some days at the Indianapolis Recorder when I was there. That was, I was at the Recorder in that, and uh, I used to just have these debates with Dr. Pinkney about you know. Uh, pushing that uh, lawsuit to defeg Indianapolis public schools, I would say to him then, you know, why are you pushing this and your child does not go to an IPS school? Uh, my own children were little kids at that time, and they were part of that busing order, and I just absolutely refused to uh, have them bus from 38th and Park, which is where we lived at that time, all the way to uh, one of the township schools. And it was so awful then because, Children on one side were being bused, and children on the other side walked the one block to the school that sat right at the corner of uh, 38th and Park. So it, it was horrible for our, our, our community, you know. And again, busing is not was not an order of Unigod. The the desegregation of those schools came about because of a lawsuit. But that lawsuit was brewing before Unigov was rolled out. So I just want to make sure people are clear that. And I think also it's really fair to mention um, some of the benefits of Unigov. Um, Unigov made Indianapolis a, a class one city. It doubled the population of Indianapolis. And in doing that, it allowed the city to receive federal and state uh, subsidies. They they re receive money grants as a result of being a larger a larger city. It also um, attracted um, the NFL team that we have today, the Indianapolis Colts, into into the city. Unigov was an economic engine. It was hope, and it did work that it would bring business into Indianapolis uh, to help um, save the city, so to speak. There were, um, at the time, and I read this in, in old newspapers, there was discussion that there was a fear Indianapolis would become, quote, unquote, another Gary. You take that in different ways, but I take it to mean uh, that it might include a black mayor someday. And with that doubling of the population by adding on the suburban cities and towns, it increased the Republican base. And it assured that there would not be, and there was not, a uh, the uh, Democrat administration in this city. 
for decades. And we didn't have a, a Democrat mayor here in Indianapolis until Bart Peterson. So, and we all remember that, that period. UNIGOV brought in not only the, uh, those cities we'd already mentioned, Speedway, Beach Grove, and so forth, but it uh, also brought in towns like Claremont, Crow's Nest, Meridian Hills, Rocky Ripple, Warren Park, Williams Creek, you know, Wendell. So the, all these are little towns surrounding old city limits of Indianapolis, which at one time went to 38th Street. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the phones, 317-239-9696. A lot of calls coming in. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Hello. You're live on the air. Who's this? Hey, uh, I, I've been listening to the conversation. I'm one of those kids that was bust in the 80s mm-hmm. and was bust to Decatur Central. I lived at 29th and Ruckel. Okay. And I'm hearing everything that's going on. And bottom line, this is just my personal belief. First of all, my experience with that, we dealt with major racism when we got bust out there. There were riots. The teachers were calling us all these racial slur names. Uh, we were, we had to watch roots uh, for weeks. Uh, it was kind of a degrading type thing. So I just want to say this. We've been talking about the same topics for years. I'm 53. These same topics are being talked about. We need financial literacy. Nobody's going to come and save us. We need to know there's monies out there that we can access to start building, just like when the other nationalities come over here, they get right to it. I just think the financial literacy is what we need, and we need to have access through financial literacy so we can help ourselves. We've been begging and pleading for somebody to come and help us, and nobody's going to come and help us unless we help ourselves. Well, amen to that, Amen. Amen. All right. Appreciate the call. Thank you so much. (laughs) Let me jump to another call. 317-239-9696. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Hello. You're live on the air. I can loud and clear. This is Guy calling. Good conversation uh, and good morning to you, Cameron. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad to see that this topic is being revisited because... Hindsight is always twenty twenty, they say, and it, it, for one thing, it, it to uh, look at the history of something and try to improve upon it. So it's interesting that if you look at situations from a, a racial, cultural, color, skin color type thing, uh, look at what happened uh, in Boston, for instance. There were when uh, integration. Uh, was attempted initially in Boston. Oh, there were just riots and outcries by the major community against it. But now look at what's happening uh, so many years later. When you look at the the uh, NBA, for example, you see uh, a difference, I think, in terms of attitudes of people of all colors, all cultures. Uh, they're all pulling for the Boston Celtics, so to speak, which is uh, involved in the uh, playoffs. So, and you look at Indianapolis, the Indianapolis situation. You look at what happened in in the uh, townships, uh, for all the the uh, uh, riots and, and 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 so forth that the previous caller was talking about. What has happened since then? Uh, you see kind of an amalgamation. Now, you when you look at sports, for instance. Uh, if if somebody just dropping in at this particular time would say, well, what's the problem? You know, mm-hmm. it fostered uh, uh, housing changes. You know, uh, minorities or, or black people were able to, to purchase homes in those areas, uh, and it's changed considerably. So, um, as I say, I'm glad to see this topic being revisited because that's that's how we uh, progress, I believe. But uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much for the call. Let me go to another call, 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Cameron. How you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm well. And uh, greetings to your guests and greetings to all mothers. But uh, I just wanted to say that uh, we need to love our mothers every single day, not no, just no one day. So now let me move on to what I wanted to say next. Uh, you know, the brother just got through saying that hindsight is twenty twenty. Well, when are we going to come into view 
to first understand we need to stop calling ourselves and addressing ourselves as black people because black as a color is not a nation. Secondly, if hindsight is 2020, then we already should realize that we cannot function properly under the government system that we're under now. And thirdly, um, when abortion was started, it was started to control the black population. And now since there's a lot of white women that are having abortions and stuff, everything they do backfires. So until we come to some understanding and get some of these other things, because regardless of what you feel today, our birth certificates and Social Security cards makes us slaves today. We do not count. This is why we can't get respirations and other types of things that we need for our community. When we start addressing these issues, then we don't have to keep talking about stuff that, that went on 50 years ago or 100 years ago. We need to be focused in on what we're going to do for tomorrow and ending our uh, with this government and with these people. That's the only way that we are going to see success in our community. All right. Thank That's you, Paul. All I want to say today. Okay, and I absolutely agree with that. One of the things that that is going on today, right now, that we have to wake up to in this city is the gentrification of Center Township. Mm -hmm. There is a huge push to retake Center Township. Um, you will see in neighborhoods all over the core, from east to west, from north to south, these homes being um, torn down. And they, many of them should be torn down, but they are being replaced by homes that, that most African-Americans in this city can't afford. Um, and so what is happening to those people? They're being uh, relocated, so to speak, because of their limited choices in housing in this city to the surrounding townships. Uh, there was a part of that um, order when uh, Indianapolis was sued for segregation, that there'd be no more public housing built in Center Township. So that's the reason we don't have nice new Center Township public housing. So that forces uh, people who are, you know, lower income to, to have to go out into the other townships. Uh, the hope also during that whole busing piece was that the parents would follow the children. But what was left out of the equation was the inequities in, in housing lending that persist today. So all of these things are still going on right now. We just need to be woke to understand what is going on and why. Let me jump to another call before we get ready to wrap up. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, this is Jerome. Jerome, you're live on the air. Good morning. All right. Um, I'm 66. Um, I'm a white white guy. I graduated from IPS Manual. And I went into Manual in 1970. It was my freshman year. And we had about uh, 2,800 students at the time. And your guest should be able to comment on this. Our busing into Manual started when I was during my sophomore year. And so we, we had a lot of minority students that had grown up in their areas and went to their IPS schools all the way through. And then as sophomores, they told them from all over their city and made them come to manual. And they did it to all the public schools like this. I, I, so I don't know how that whole thing happened, but I know the repercussions of it. Manual was very violent my sophomore year, and it wasn't because of the, the minority students. It was because the Students that I grew up with, people that I grew up with in an all-white area, I didn't realize how uh, prejudiced and bigoted they were until we had that influx of minorities come in. And uh, people that I grew up with, I'm start, you know, I started hearing stuff from them and, and the talk, and I'm going, my God, where did this all come from? And so that was my indoctrination into, you know, racism basically, and. It, you know, we got through it, but I, I just never did understand how this busing system worked. But over the years, once I've realized it and watched it and, and studied it, it was racist in its in its view. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they did this on purpose, mm -hmm. the way that they relocated individual children, students, and 
you know, it didn't go the right way. It went, you know, they they did this deliberately. And then like your guest was talking about, the, the white students that had money or white uh, families that had money, they got the hell out of IPS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that's what we've been left with. But if I was a teacher today at 66 years old, a white teacher teaching in an IPS school, and I repeated everything I just said to you, I'd have some crazy nut telling me that I was teaching and indoctrinating uh, CRT. Jerome, thank you for the call. I appreciate you telling that that piece of history because it's a lot of people have no idea what went down. I appreciate you calling in and telling us. Thank you. I know, Cameron, when I I was in, I went to Tech High School in Short Ridge. And uh, because of busing starting back then, um, I had to leave Short Ridge and go to Tech. And when I went to Tech, there was so much violence at Tech. Uh, and that was when people like Bill Crawford and Glenn Howard were on the scene uh, becoming more activists here in the city. And they would be on one side of the of the campus, you know, kind of watching over the black students who were sent there. And on the other side of the campus, on the Michigan Street side, would be, you know, the skinhead types. Uh, and in the middle would be the students who would be fighting on a daily basis. Uh, so it, my high school years were filled with violence, too, just like that caller said about manual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that happened in a lot of the, the desegregated schools, you know, where these, the children were forced together, these hodgepodge uh, populations of students. Uh, Eunice, I think we could continue this conversation uh, because the phone lines are still ringing. All of them are ringing. Um, but we'll have to do that at your event coming up on May 15th. That's next Sunday at 4 o'clock at St. Luke's United Methodist Christ- Let's just say UMC. St. <laughs> Luke's UMC. Uh, 100 West 86th Street. Uh, again, that is next Sunday at 4 o'clock. Uh, in person and online, uh, where can folks get some more details? Well, if you if you go to Eventbrite or to uh, the St. Luke United Methodist Church website, you will find it there. There will be a link for live streaming, um, but also there will be a link to register. You don't have to register, but I think that would be advisable because I think we're going to get a huge turnout uh, for this discussion. And again, on the panel are Lieutenant Governor John Mutt, um, Ned Lampkin, who is a state rep, Faye Williams, Bob Osley, and Billy Bro. All right. In addition to the, the many people who I'm sure will be in the audience that adding their insight. Yeah, it'll be a good conversation for sure, as it has been here on the radio. Uh, Eunice Trotter, I told you you get a lot of calls on that discussion. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Cameron, for allowing me to do it. And i just like to wish the moms a happy Mother's Day. And thank you again. I hope to see you all on May 15th. That's next Sunday at 4 o'clock. All right. Thank you, Eunice. Happy Mother's Day. All right. Thank you, Cameron. Bye-bye. Still to come on this Mother's Day here on Open Lines, something news that affects every person and every mother in this country. The potential that Roe versus Wade is about to be overturned. In a number of states, it's going to be illegal to get an abortion. In some states, it'll be a felony. In some states, they're saying it will be considered murder and the mother could be charged. What do things look like right here in Indiana? We have new information coming in from Governor Holcomb and on the national level from Senator Mitch McConnell. These are not things that could happen. What I'm about to tell you is the very latest in the news of what is happening. This is Open Lines. to open lines with Cameron Riddle on Hot We are back 
here on Open Lines on 106.7 WTLC and on Hot 96.3. couple minutes left in the show. Uh, let's talk about what is happening in the news nationwide. If you're not paying attention, you better start paying attention because we're not talking about things that could happen. We're talking about what is happening. This morning, Governor Holcomb is not ruling out a special session on abortion law earlier this year. 100 Republican lawmakers signed a letter to Governor Holcomb asking him to call a special session if Roe versus Wade is overturned by the Supreme Court. Now, as you know, all we've been talking about for the past week or so has been the news, a leaked opinion draft of what the majority of the Supreme Court is thinking, what they will likely rule on. Uh, the Chief Justice John Roberts has said that what was leaked is real it is not final but it is real so with that said it looks like roe versus wade the now 49 year um, ruling that has left every woman in this country the constitutional right to choose if she wants to have an abortion could be taken away you will wake up with less constitutional rights than you went to sleep with. When speaking with reporters on Wednesday, Governor Holcomb said calling a special session to discuss new abortion legislation remains, quote, an option depending on what the Supreme Court decides. When asked whether he would support a total ban on abortion, allowing or for even allowing certain exceptions, such as cases involving rape or incest, or even when the mother's life is at risk, when the mother could die if she has this baby. Governor Holcomb responded, quote, I have a hard time being the person that's part of taking a life, and I'll review the decision that has impact on that. Let me read that one more time. Governor Holcomb was asked, do you support a ban or a total ban on abortion? or for allowing even some exemptions in cases involving rape, incest, or when the mother's life is at risk. Governor Holcomb said, quote, I have a hard time being the person that's part of taking a life, and I'll review the decision that has impact on that. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Holcomb did not say what he wants the potential new legislation to look like if Roe versus Wade is overturned. Now, this is a fact. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, state governments will then get to decide if a woman can have an abortion. Places like California and Illinois would be among the states where an abortion would still be legal because the states would allow that. But a number of states would ban abortion, like Texas and Louisiana, and of course, likely right here in Indiana. 13 states have trigger laws that are already on the books that say the second Roe versus Wade is overturned by the Supreme Court, it will then be illegal to have an abortion in that state. Some states like Michigan will make it a felony to have an abortion. In many states, there will be no exemption for cases when a woman gets pregnant from being raped. Republicans, if they get in power, are already discussing making abortion flat out legal, illegal in all 50 states, overruling states like Illinois and California that would allow it. California and Illinois would say, you can do that here. And if the Republicans get the House and the Senate, they'll say, no, you can't. So this is already begging the question, what is next? The right to birth control, same sex marriage, interracial marriage. Those are all constitutional rights that were granted, just like Roe versus Wade. If you can take this one back, can't you take the rest of them back? There is already calls right now. Senators across the country are already putting forth bills. I've seen one just this weekend uh, trying to ban contraception. So that's birth control. That's pills. That's condoms. Uh, they want to ban that in some places. Um, and now Mitch McConnell is even saying he'll get rid of the filibuster. There's a good chance that he could get rid of the filibuster on the if the Republicans get in power and they will do what the Democrats are hesitating to do, which is to vote with just 50 senators instead of the 60. We only got a couple minutes left in the show. We were supposed to have a much more long conversation about this, but I wanted to bring you the news on what is actually 
happening. These things are in motion right now. There are bills. Um, I just saw one that would uh, make it a, you could charge a woman with murder if she had an abortion. 317-239-9696, your thoughts. Let's go to the phones. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? People just need to know what this is about. It's about the ninth and 10th Amendment to our Constitution. Not the Ninth Amendment is the preemptions uh, uh, where it states the case, and then the 10th uh, affirms that. You can look at our Constitution, Cameron, and see what's going on. The only thing this has done is to just let the pastors, the black people, come out and say that they approve of abortion and that they'll go to die for abortion, that they'll die for homosexuality, these are uh, unproductive uh, social ways of life, and it leads to extermination. So we, when we talk about abortion, uh, uh, humans are the only ones that murder their own babies. How can you murder right. a baby, Cameron? All I mean, right. I've That's seen your... a lot of babies last weekend, right? They are so cute and lovable. Who in their right mind is going to murder them before they get a chance to speak out and to get a chance to live? So. Well, right. Black women have already aborted 20 million, so all right, Larry. I guess they're all trained to murder more. All right, I was going to give you 30 seconds, but that's time. Thank and just you. remember, as cute as those babies are, there is not universal health care to take care of those babies or their mothers. The state of Indiana has one of the highest infant mortality rates, so... A lot of people say what you say. Those babies are cute, but once those babies are born, nobody's helping to take care of them. And that is part of the discussion. 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Less than 30 seconds. All I want everybody to do, because I know you mm-hmm. find out what God likes. Get the definition of God like and see if these people are being God like. Because that's what this is. These people are pretending to be God. Look up the definition of God-like. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Caller on line three. Good morning. You're live on Open Lines. Who's this? Hi, this is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning. Hi, I just want to um, touch on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and your first caller, you know, as a woman, um, you know, that person that actually bears the child. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm pro-choice, you know people can do what they want, you know, and, you know, non-judgment, that's just myself. Um, but as a woman, let me say it again, the one that bears the child, um, I've never seen a group of men mm-hmm. um, tell that this woman should do with her uterus. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely insane. Um, a, a bunch of, you know, Caucasian men at that mm-hmm. try to tell a woman what to do. Your first caller, I don't believe he was Caucasian, but at the same time, no, like you said, oh, I know it's Larry. Um, like you said, um, once the child is born, people are not taking care, helping taking care of the children. You don't have a lot of things in place. Healthcare, one of the major, one of the major things in place to help take care of these children. So while people are passing judgment on these women who have abortion or not, you have to take, um, be mindful that once these children are born, who's taking care of them? Once they're born, then you want to talk down on the parent about the mother, about getting on welfare, about getting assistance. Let's make it make sense. Let her choose what she wants to do with her uterus. And you do me a favor and everyone else a favor as a woman, speaking for every woman in the United States and everywhere else, stay out of our uterus. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day. 317-239-9696. What a conversation to have on Mother's Day. We're about out of time, but let me go back to the phones. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Dante. Dante, you're live on the air. Go ahead. 30 seconds. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a black, a young black male. I'm pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the male caller that you had on a little bit earlier um, I wanted to bring up, uh, he, he was, it, it was, he's not true. He's not factual. So human beings aren't the only, uh, only animals on this world should actually, uh, to kill their own young. Yeah. Animals in the wild do it on a day-to-day basis. It, it, it is to, it, I'm not trying to sit there and say it's to, uh, put them out their misery of, of what's to come or how harsh the world is. But at the same time, that woman has the right to literally do whatever she wants with her body. Who are we as men to sit there and dictate what that woman can do? We are no longer in a uh, patriotic society to the point to where everything that a man says is law. That woman stands on equal footing with us, too. 
and have always done that. So why not? Re if we respect women, we should respect the whole autonomy of a woman and the anatomy of a woman. Like we shouldn't be just sitting here, sitting there saying that yes, this woman be, should uh, should be paid equally than us. But at the same time, when it comes down to whatever she can do, whatever she wants to do with her body, nah, 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 we got to draw the line. I'm also I, I'm a progressive Republican. The one thing that I cannot get with is that whole concept around men dictating what women do with their body. I can't stand for that. Like, a woman should be able to do whatever they want with their body, and a man should be able to just agree with that woman because we are not a woman. We are men. Then if women start telling us what we should do with our bodies, then it would be a whole – we will change laws to make sure that that woman never does it. We as men have to be a way better example, like for our, uh, the next generation, because some of fact it's gonna get way worse. Because what happens, what's getting ready to happen, if we're getting ready to go back to a day and age to where women no longer start going to hospitals and going to barns and back alleys, or we also have individuals like we did back in the day in the South. All of a sudden, little Betty Jean goes to go live with her auntie Sue for nine months, and all of a sudden she comes back with a whole one-year-old, almost one-year-old brother. Mm -hmm. Like we we have to make that make sense. So that male caller that called, he is completely wrong. That woman that called, I respect everything about her because, in fact, she spoke truth to power. Because we are like, who are we as men to sit there and tell a woman what they should and should not be able to do with their body? Dante, thank you for the call. I'm going to leave it right there. We're going to end the show on your thought right there. Dante, thank you very much. Thank you. That's going to do it for this edition of Open Lines. Uh, I guess we'll just do a whole hour sometime here soon on Roe versus Wade because the phone lines are still hot and we are over time. That's going to do it. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. Please pick up your phone. Give me a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I will follow you back. And if you missed any portion of the show, you can find it online. Wherever it is you get your podcast. just search Open Lines. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Happy Mother's Day to the grandmas, to the aunties. We love you. Happy birthday to my stepmother. Happy Mother's Day to my stepmother, Aiko, and to my mother-in-law, Nina. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Mom got her, uh, Mother's Day gift. My sister just texted me. She says she loved it. Got the perfume that she wanted. More open lines next Sunday, live at 8.